0: it's good to be back it's been a a couple years probably for all of us right Um, but I'm sure you are so happy to be back uh, fellowshipping with your your church family this morning's uh, scripture comes to us out of the passage uh, the Gospel of Luke chapter 17 verses 11 through 19. Hear the word of the Lord. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was going through the region between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, ten lepers approached him, keeping their distance. They called out to him, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, He said to them, "'Go and show yourselves to the priests.' And as they went, they were made clean." Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. He prostrated himself at the feet of Jesus and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus said, Were not ten made clean? But the other nine, where are they? Was none of them found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, Get up, go on your way. Your faith has made you well. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So have you found that it's not until you really read something, embody something, that it comes to life? You know, At what point do words start to sort of be fleshed out where you can feel what they mean, that they, they register within you, whether you're reading a book? And all of a sudden, I I experienced this with Harry Potter, all of the characters came to life, and you could feel what was going on. The words of, of a worship song, you read them on a piece of paper, and they seem sort of flat, though there might be poetry about it, and it might still hit you, but when you're in full worship, and you feel that that worship, those words coming to life and they become a prayer of your soul. I had that experience Uh, just a a number of years ago, my husband Daryl and I were out visiting different churches in our presbytery. Um, I am a uh, ordained Presbyterian pastor in this presbytery, but I'm in a validated ministry and so I get the privilege of visiting uh, different churches and, and of recent preaching at a lot of different uh, churches. And it's always my, my uh, great privilege to do that. But on this occasion, it was a Saturday night, and we were visiting New Hope Presbyterian Church. And at that point, they were uh, at, in Orange. And their worship was about to start. And I saw this gentleman stand up. I mean, I get tears in my eyes. Gentlemen stood up, you know, and, and they're wearing their gospel off. He's wearing black. And then he starts to sing. The power of his words, plus the, the beauty of his voice, was so impactful. You could feel that he was feeling those words. The song. The song was Turn It Around by Israel Houghton and it's interesting you read these words and it okay but when you watched him actually embody him it says turn it around open the windows of heaven pour out a blessing overflow turn it around open the windows of heaven pour out a blessing we cannot contain let it rain let it rain The refrain says, all things are possible for you. All things are possible. Nothing's too difficult for you. Nothing's too difficult. I'm ready for change. I'm ready for rain. I'm ready for favor. I know you are able. Turn it around. Open the windows of heaven. Pour out a blessing overflow. Turn it around. Open the windows of heaven, pour out a blessing we cannot contain. Let it rain, let it rain. You have turned my mourning into dancing. You have turned my sorrow to joy. You've turned my life around. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. It wasn't until uh, a few years later, not that I have actually sat down with this gentleman, and I've been given permission to, to uh, give you his name and, and uh, who he is. It's Ian Jeffers. And if you ever go to New Hope and you hear worship and he stands up, you will know you're in the house of worship. He's had this life of desperate times. I do not know all of it, but what I know of it helps me to understand what I have experienced and continue to experience every time I hear him sing this song. I don't know if it's his signature song because he sings a a number of other songs, but to me that's his signature song because God has turned it around for him. He has known desperation. He's known permanent brain damage. He has known homelessness. He has known many things and God has helped him turn it around. If he were, if he was to stand up here, he could recount time and time and time again where desperate situations came to him and he cried out to God and he was able to turn it around because he came face to face with the living God. And for him, it's his life of worship. He has a heart of worship. There's been this this call and response in his life, calling out to God and God's response back to him. This morning, as I was going over the sermon, I had not put two and two together. I had heard Ian last night and... And it once again struck me, but not until this morning did I did I get it. And if I had gotten it earlier, sometimes I'm slow to the dance, I would have named this sermon Turn It Around. Hashtag Ian Jeffers. This this passage is about turning it around. a person who turned his life around because somehow he came face-to-face face with the living God. Now, we're we're familiar with the story. We have Jesus on his way to Jerusalem. At this point in the gospel, he knows he's going to Jerusalem to die. And for some odd reason, even though Jesus is a Jew, he's going between the, the, the region between Samaria and Galilee, a Jew would never do this. A Jew would have traveled an extra 75 miles, which I had heard it translated to six days, to go around the region because they would never have gone anywhere close to where the Samaritans were. Now, if If you know anything about the history between the Jews and the Samaritans, it goes back to, I think, 770 uh, B.C. when Assyria came and overtook the land where the Israelites were. And they came in and they brought the, the Israelites into bondage. And not only did the Assyrians bring their own people, then other foreigners came. And out of that time, the Samaritan people were born. And the Samaritans thought they were the true house of worship. They would, they would take their lineage back to Joseph, to the, the tribes of Manasseh and Ephraim. They thought they were the true, true people of God. And the Jews thought they were the true people of God. And the Jews saw they. The Samaritans as half breeds, impure, uh, pagans. So they despised them. They despised them. And Jesus is walking through this place of despised people. And he comes across ten lepers. The lepers see Jesus. And they must have known who he he was. And they, they see Jesus and they cry out in one voice saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. They were used to crying out for many things, for alms, for food, anything that they could continue to live on. But this time, they come across Jesus, and they cry out for mercy. And Jesus sees them, and in a short amount of words, is sort of like, turn it around. And he says, go and show yourself to the priests. That's all he says to them. Go and show yourself to the priest. Now, oddly enough, these ten, these ten people, these ten men, now we don't know at this point, if this was the first time we heard this passage, we would not know that there was at least one Samaritan in this group. We don't know all of the composition, but Jesus is going between Galilee and Samaria. We do know later on there's at least one Samaritan in the group and depending upon how many Jews are in the group the Jews knew that they needed ten people to be able to pray you needed at least ten people to start a synagogue so somehow out of desperation these people get together where they never would have gotten together before not only is Jesus walking in a, a region that no Jew would walk in But there's Jews there because they've been thrown out because they've got leprosy. And by desperation, they come together and they form a community. Can you imagine what it was like for these people? Especially, you know, we know more about the the Jews than we do about the Samaritans. But what we do know about the Jews is they, they are a proud people. They have a whole structure around what is being clean. They had to keep themselves from anything that would defile them. Because if they were defiled, then they would be not able to worship. They would be told that they were ceremonially unclean and therefore could not worship. And for a Jew, that was the pinnacle. They they were called to worship. And can you imagine what it was like for these respected people having had some sort of spot, some sort of abnormality on their body? Leprosy actually means scaly, and it it could be just a number of different skin ailments. If you had anything, you had to show yourself to the priest, and the priest was the person who would deem you clean or unclean and if you had a spot anything abnormal on your body that that started to show up you had to separate yourself for seven days it doesn't say it but they had to quarantine for seven days then they'd come back and the priest would say either this person was clean or not clean if they were unclean they were sent away no longer was this person a person who was known as somebody in their, in their community, as a member of society, as the head of family, a tradesman, a respected person. No, this Jew had to be outcast, had to tear his clothes He walked around with dirty, torn clothes, and his head was uncovered, which you would never do as a Jewish man. So imagine what his identity was switched to, because no longer all of these other things that would make up who he was, his identity was having leprosy. He was known as, you are a leper. And if it was true leprosy, he was not going to uh, recover from this. There was no known healing for leprosy in those days. And so they, they, those with leprosy would be turned out to die, basically, never to have been restored to what was normal in their lives. So Jesus comes across the lepers. Jesus tells them to go and show themselves to the priest because only the priest, the priest was the one that sent them away, only the priest could bring that person back. Could you imagine what the faith was of these people? Jesus basically says, turn it around and go show yourself to the priests. And they turned around and went without being healed. At some point, as they went, because that's what Scripture says, as they went, they were healed. Now, we don't know if it was a, a dawning realization one at a time or if all of a sudden they looked down and like... Oh. But we don't know. But what's important in, next in that passage is, but one returned, but one returned right The passage said Jesus saw them and responded to their plea and this person saw that he was healed and he turned around and returned to Jesus. That too was radical. Jesus had told them to go so so this Person was going to turn around and disobey Jesus? Why would he do that? When he saw that he was healed, something happened within him. He turned around. He turned his body around. And he turned towards Jesus. What were once groans or whimpers because of leprosy now were words of praise. What was once this voice that was raspy from leprosy, he was now able to cry aloud. What was once deemed that a leper could not come close to anybody, in fact, four cubics, which is six feet. It's just interesting. Six feet, at least. This person turns around, comes to Jesus, thanking Jesus, falls at his feet. So at at some point, he's able to, to move around and actually fall at the feet of Jesus. This craggy body that probably creaked could have have Because if you think about uh, at what point has this leprosy taken over his body? And he prostrates himself at the foot of Jesus. And finally, there's this thankfulness that, that wells up. And the word thankfulness there, or thanks is actually the word that we get Eucharist. It's the same word that when we hear Jesus say, and he broke bread and having have after having given thanks to God it's that we don't know up to this point that this person's a Samaritan because it's not put in yet but any Jew seeing this person do what this person did would have said this person's a Jew if you study the original words In the original language, these are specific things that a Jew would do to worship God. And then we hear, and he was a Samaritan. And he was a Samaritan. This once despised outcast, this half-breed, somebody who would never have been in the presence of a Jew, turned around and came and thanked Jesus because he saw that he was healed. And upon that turning around in recognition and giving praise to God, his life was forever changed. Right? His life was forever changed. You know, we don't know because the passage doesn't unpack it for us. But if we slow down long enough to live in the words, the living words in this passage, we have clues. For those who have eyes to see and ears to hear and a heart to receive, right? As we studied the word of God, we see these clues coming up. This, this Samaritan could not have gone back to be restored as the Jews did. Once this Samaritan was healed, he was no longer part of that community. Desperation brought him together and healing separated them. It doesn't say it in the passage, but it's if you ponder it, he turned back to being a Samaritan. If you are a Jew, he's now a Samaritan. And so this Samaritan comes back to Jesus. And he comes face to face with the reality of the living God. Now we know that Jesus is still in his human body. He has not gone to the cross yet. But we still know that God the Father is present. And somehow in that transaction, God is there with them. And if we were to ponder the fullness of this passage, the word at the end where it says, go on your way, turn it around, turn it around, because your faith has made you well. That word well, sozo. It means salvation. And not not just like a transactional, you worshiped and now you're saved. No, no, no. The whole of his life has been turned around because that word means bringing, bringing the broken parts together. That word means that you have been made whole. That Samaritan was made whole. Those other nine, all, all ten of them were healed. The word is cleansed, healed of a skin ailment. But they went back to their priests. Those priests could not have saved them. Those priests could not heal them. They went back into the proscribed religious community, even if they had felt a change in their heart, they're not going back to a community that says, you've changed, and therefore we're going to change how we do things. Now, this passage doesn't say that. But as I think about what it was like for the Jews in that day and their how they worshiped, that their community of faith was everything to them. It told them who they were in that community. It told them who they were as people of God. And they had so many rituals and traditions because that's how they knew God. So those people went back into what was there. They went back to what was normal for them, having still had this interaction with Jesus, having been healed. And show yourself to the priest. The the priest, I'm sure, would say, like, "Mm, so how did this happen? How did this happen? You do not get healed of leprosy. Well, you know, Jesus, Jesus, he healed. He healed me or healed us saying it to a priest who, who did not have the power to do it, but Jesus had the power to do that. They needed Jesus and no one else to turn their lives around. Now, they were turned around in that they were restored back to everything that they had lost. But this one Samaritan, he came into relationship with the living God. What was skin deep for all ten of them is now soul deep in him. His soul has been forever changed. His life has been transformed. When you come face to face with the living God, your life is never the same when you are extended the mercy of God, your life is never the change. You can't just go back to the way things were. Jesus extended the invitation to all of them because he says, where are the other nine? Where where are they? Were they not found to come back and give honor, praise, thanks? We don't know why they didn't. But the Samaritan maybe, possibly, seeing in Jesus his priest, returned to his priest so that he could be restored and made whole and sent on his way to a new life. Dear people of Placentia Presbyterian Church, you can't go back to where life used to be, nor do I think you want to. Though there might be times when when we get nostalgic and we think, oh, if only it was simple like it was before. Reality, is, it, it never was simple before, but somehow maybe knowing the the steps, the rituals, the way things were supposed to be and you could slip into that and that felt comfortable and topsy-turvy these days are in many different ways and particular ways for you. If I sat down and talked with you and listened to you actually and saw you as Jesus saw, you could tell me How your life has been turned upside down. And yet, the mercy of God is in your lives. And the word here, the wording that Jesus says to the the Samaritan, your faith has made you well. The verb tense means it's ongoing, it's not a one time situation, it is ongoing and ongoing, and ongoing. So whatever mercy you have received, whatever mercy you need, whatever healing transformation that you need, the invitation is just the same today from Jesus. The invitation is that you would know that you have come and continue to come face-to-face, with the one and only living God who can and will and has transformed your life, has heard your prayers even before we pray it. So, so good folk of PPC, don't settle for what the nine did and try to go back to life as it was before. Don't settle. Turn it around. Let your words embody your faith. Let your actions embody the the truth of what God has and is doing in your life. And in the life of this church, there are many, there are many things to come that are great for you because you serve and love a great God. So wherever you need to turn it around today, wherever on the road you need God to meet you, know that just as God in Jesus met those ten and really met the Samaritan, God meets you today. He will not fail. He will not fail to deliver because that's who God is. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, pour out your Holy Spirit upon us this day. Give us breath to breathe. Give us prayers to pray. Give us work to do. Encourage our hearts. Encourage our steps. Encourage the work of our hands. And God, I pray that you would pour out your spirit upon these people at Placentia Presbyterian Church, that they can walk fully into all that you have for them, That they might know you see them, you love them, you're with them. You will continue to guide them because that's who you are. Bless and keep them in your peace, I pray. Amen.